0: Hello, this is the this is the starting of the recording and the starting of the live show, I guess. And I might as well just start with uh, dunking on wispy blondes. So apologies for that while the girls get their quick quotes ready. So uh, I dated a ballerina for a while. She was a semi-professional ballerina. She did make money. She did tour. She was with a professional company. Uh, and then she also taught not ballerina classes, uh, but she taught just kids, just poor kids just poor kids. And she she was a professional ballerina and you could tell she was a professional ballerina because she had 0% body fat and she had horribly mangled feet and because she never smiled or laughed. And so these are all the typical qualities of baller- professional ballerinas. Uh, if you have one in your life or if you are one, don't make eye contact right now. The the reference that I have <laughs> the reference that I have for Uh, today, like the only the only joke that I have about ballerinas that I actually do keep is that she, I think that she metastasized her personality to keep her body close. Oh no, she metabolized her person. Whoops, that was a horrible misstep. She metabolized her personality to keep her body moving. Was my old joke about this particular ex. So now that I've now I've gotten down on that enough, uh, I'm not particularly into the wispy blonde femme fatale sort. But for the life of me, I think January Jones is gorgeous. I mean, I'm obviously not like a brave statement or anything. She's been on the cover of a million magazines, so I'm hard, I'm not like stepping out of line. But not only do I think she's gorgeous, I also think she's a fucking amazing actor because Mad Men is such a great show, and I wouldn't have been... Nearly as into it the first season, if not for January Jones. And so there's a couple of people saying, I've never watched Mad Men. What's your favorite show, Jack? What's good on Netflix? Uh, Mad Men, if you've never seen it, I want to make my pitch. And my pitch is, for those of you women who have not seen it out there, Mad Men is one of the most feminist shows ever made. Uh-huh. And not like it becomes one of the most feminist shows ever made. It starts off, the pilot is... Is one of the most feminist shows ever made. In the pilot, a young woman goes to work at an office building. Another woman, her superior, because women are ruled by women in this world. There are no male bosses for women in season one of Mad Men. The male boss sends... Or, sorry, the female boss sends her off to an OBGYN on her first day slash first week. It's been a while since I've seen the pilot. Where... The doc puts her in stirrups, opens her up vaginally, writes her a prescription for birth control, and tells her not to use it because she's a slut. This is the first episode of Mad Men, baby. Welcome to work in the 1960s. So that's, that's in the pilot, and it gets more feminist from there. Like, it gets more feminine perspective and... And isn't it? doesn't it suck to be a woman from there, right? That's that's in the first episode. Somewhere in the first season, January Jones, who's a stay-at-home mom, and we watch her just descend into fucking madness, uh, is, is basically the first season of, of watching January Jones just stuck at home with these fucking kids. Oh, you understand why these housewives in the 60s did so many drugs. You totally get it. And at one point, she gets in a car accident with her daughter, Little Sally Draper, who, little Sally Draper, who plays Sabrina, which is why I'm bringing all this up. Little Sally Draper, uh, Sabrina from Netflix. And Little Sally Draper is, in January Jones's mind, like this perfect reflection of her. Sally has to look like her and talk like her and dress like her. And she was a model, and so Sally has to be a model, right? This is season one. This is a seven-season show, and sevens, and the seventh season is amazing. All the seasons are pretty good. So, pretty pretty quickly and wow, I'm just talking about this is welcome to the Mad Men podcast. So, in season one, there's a car accident. January Jones, Sally Draper in the car. Nothing bad happens. It's like an eight-mile-per-hour fender bender. No consequence whatsoever. But Don Draper. Uh, John Ham comes home that night, the husband-slash-father. And January Jones grabs his shirt with both hands, looks into his eyes, and says, If that accident had some way disfigured Sally, I'd rather she just died. And that is the moment that I got so into this show, I can't even stand it. I can't even stand it. I I I leaned forward in my chair. If I was eating something, I put it down. I put both palms down so I wouldn't grip something too hard. I was like, "What am I about to watch?" To this day, as a writer, I hear that character coming from a mom. I hear that dialogue coming from a mom. I'm like, "I'll watch it. I'll watch it. I'm there. I'll buy. I'll buy the. T- I'm there. What? <laughs> Holy shit!" <laughs> If you enjoyed that mother-daughter relationship, one other last thing before we get into quick quotes, I can't stress enough. I, Tonya. Also watch I, Tonya for mother-daughter relationships and high bar acting. <laughs> okay. All right. Quick quotes. If you put in quotation... Uh, I, as in the letter I, comma, T-O-N-Y-A. I, Tonya, like I, Claudius, but I, Tonya, as in I, Tonya Harding, and it's not an accurate representation of that story at all, but the acting out of Margot Robbie and Alison Janney as Mother and Daughter is the, it's the best. The best. If you have any issues with your mom, they will come out as a woman watching I, Tanya. I know. I have issues with my mom, and they came out as a dude watching it. <laughs> all right. Quick quotes. If you put it in two quotation marks, I'll say it if you put it in. You gotta put it in quotation marks so I know I'm kind of like Ron Day. Hey. Quick quotes. different Different song every time. <clears throat> Hello, princess. Do you want to get pushed? Because you're acting like you want to get pushed. Being mine doesn't mean I won't hurt you. Advertising is based on one thing. Happiness. Eastman! He came from the east to do battle with some amazing rando. Hmm, that doesn't sound quite right. The phrase you're looking for is "yes, sir." Yeet. Aw. you're too short. Too bad you can't reach that shell. I just want to add about not being able to reach that shelf. It's where I keep the key to the exit. That's why you're trying to reach that shelf. (laughs) You're such a sweet, good girl, Sierra. Now be a good girl and come for daddy. If you're being such a brat, I'm going to have to hurt you with my cock. Don't be shy. Come, give daddy a kiss. Come here, sit on my lap, and shut your mouth. Quick quotes. By the way, I was doing these for years with headphones on, so that's why my voice wasn't changing enough. Now I'm doing these with my headphones off, so be prepared because I'm going to rock these out from going forward. I can't believe I was making that mistake. If you're wondering why I'm doing these with a little bit more gusto, (laughs) it's because I forgot the first thing you're supposed to do in voice acting class. This show is off to an amazing start, don't you think, Girls at Home? I know that I do. We're ten minutes in, and we haven't done shit. Just fangirled over Mad Men's writing. You're not the Girls at Home, you're the Live Girls. I was talking to the Girls at Home. Come on. Come on, quick quotes before I close the segment. And Shy Girls, new girls, please, 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 get them up, get them up, get them up before we close the segment. out. Ah, what happened to Little Miss Spitfire? Well, that's just criminal. Here I am slaving over my work, and you're on the couch looking cozy and inviting in my shirt. Give Daddy what he wants. Your. A very good girl, Rachel. I absolutely adore you. Open your mouth for me. Come sit on daddy's lap. I want to stroke your hair and kiss you. Open your eyes. Look at me while I eat you out. Why are you wearing my shirt to. Whoops. Be- Let me try that again because I said shorts. <clears throat> Why are you wearing my shirt to begin with? Take it off. Good morning, sunshine. Thank you for greeting my morning with a rise. Now, be a good girl and suck daddy's cock. All right, girls, we're closing it up. It is the final part of the Quick Quotes. If you have one, you gotta make me your dope. Come on, come on, we're closing it up. This'll be easier in person if that ever fucking happens cause there will be a line and shit okay <clears throat> this island earth can be yours if the price is right uh i don't do they still have the original guy on that from the original price is right like is he still doing it from like 45 50 years no what does he sound like now? I know he's old. I know. But old old people... Like the original guy doing Fred... F- this is a true story. This is why voice acting has hope and I can be old and still have faith that I can make it. The original voice of Fred from Scooby-Doo is still voicing Fred from Scooby-Doo. That's a true story. You can look it up. Six- the guy who was voicing Fred in the 60s is still voicing him in the 2010s. That is a true statement. You can look it up on his IMDb. So, like, yeah, he's old, but he's also a voice actor. Some voice actors just do it. They just do it. Benedict Cumberbatch ain't going anywhere. He's going to be voicing CGI bullshit for another four decades, okay? Because he's going to sound like that for another 40 years. (laughs) Can I do impressions? I can try. Can I do any impression that people name? No, I sure fucking can't. Did Casey Kasem only die last year? I thought Casey Kasem died a long time ago. I thought Casey Kasem died like seven years ago. Must have been another shaggy voice actor then. Like, Casey Kasem died like seven years ago, Scoob. Scoob, you gotta get back to the future. Scoob, you have to be here, Scoobies. You can't just keep zoning out. Scoob, I need you. (laughs) <laughs> uh thank you. I'm glad to like my Shaggy. There's a sh- there's an impression for you guys. It's a Shaggy from Scooby Doo. <laughs> Shaggy saying anything in anything that's dramatic is inherently funny. Shaggy describing anything like the hint Oh god, Scoob. Oh, it's ha- Oh, it's all on fire, Scoob. Oh, the humanity. Oh, Zoink, Scoob. Oh, there are people leaping. Oh, scoops. I went with the Hindenburg, the only tragedy that you can talk about where people were immolated and everybody claps. Everybody stole (laughs) plods. It's been desensitized. There's only one watery grave ship that you can talk about. It's Titanic. We've all been desensitized, so we clap if we... uh. All right. Okay, guys, that was Quick Quotes. Thank you so much for everybody's requests. Thank you for prompting me, both with just random can-you-do impressions and then talking about Shaggy. So, I do appreciate that. Let's move on to poem number one. We've got a lot of amazing poems tonight. I do want to get through them. I don't think you will ever fully understand how much you've touched my life and made me who I am. I don't think you could ever know just how truly special you are, that even on the darkest nights you are my brightest star. You've allowed me to experience something very hard to find, unconditional love that exists in body, soul, and mind. I don't think you could ever feel all the love I have to give, and I'm sure you'll never realize you've been my will to live. You're an amazing person and without you, I don't know where I'd be. Having you in my life completes and fulfills every part of me. Will You Ever by Caitlin M. Yon. Lovely poem to start everything off on. Very, very, very shift of the mood, and we're going to keep it. I'm not going to make any jokes, because we've got some very serious, lovely poems tonight. Up next, somebody requested a whole series of collections by different authors, so that's why we're going to do it. Some of my favorites are in here, so without further ado. (laughs) Hold fast to dreams, for if dreams die, life Is a broken-winged bird that cannot fly. Hold fast to dreams, for when dreams go, Life is a barren field, frozen with snow. Dreams by Langston Hughes Twas noontime of summer and midtime of night, And stars in their orbits shone pale through the light. O the brighter cold moon and planets her slaves, Herself in the heavens, her beam on the waves. I gazed a while on her cold smile, Too cold, too cold for me. There passed a shroud, a fleecy cloud, And I turned away to thee. Proud evening star, in thy glory afar, and dearer than thy beam shall be, for joy to my heart is the proud part thou bearest in heaven at night, and I more admire thy distant fire than the colder, lowly light. Evening Star by Edgar Allan Poe Death is a fisherman. THE WORLD WE SEE HIS POND IS, AND WE THE FISHES BE. HIS NET SOME GENERAL SICKNESS, HOWEVER HE IS NOT SO KIND AS OTHER FISHERS BE. FOR IF THEY TAKE ONE OF THE SMALLER fry, THEY THROW HIM IN AGAIN, HE SHALL NOT DIE. BUT DEATH IS SURE TO KILL ALL HE CAN GET. And all is fish with him that come to his net Death is a Fisherman by Benjamin Franklin. I wrote a good omelet and ate a hot poem after loving you, buttoned my car and drove my coat home in the rain after. Loving you. I go I goad on red and stopped on green, floating somewhere in between, being here and being there, after loving you. I rolled my bed, turned down my hair, slightly confused, but I don't care. Laid out my teeth, gargled my gown, and then I stood and laid me down to sleep. After loving you, I wrote a good omelet by Nicky Giovanni. weren't those all lovely? Thank you, thank you for the person who took the time to come up with such a great selection. Very, very diverse, wonderful representation and authorship. Lots of lots of different things. That was wonderful. Thank you very much for taking the time. Appreciate you. All right. <clears throat> And now to just read this next person's poem. <laughs> uh. <clears throat> she had looked for his coming as warriors come, with the clash of arms and the bugle's call. But he came instead with a stealthy tread, which she did not hear at all. She had thought how his armor would blaze in the sun as he rode like a prince to claim his bride. In the sweetest dim light of the falling night, she found him at her side. She would have dreamed how the gaze of his strange bold eye would wake her heart to a sudden glow. She found in his face a familiar grace of a friend she used to know. She had dreamed how his coming would stir her soul as the ocean is stirred by the wild storm's strife. He brought her balm of a heavenly calm and a peace which crowned her life. Love's Coming by Ella Willer Wilcox. Perhaps You don't understand what you are dealing with. And who is to blame you? Soft-brained whirlwind that you are, you are not familiar with a breeze as calm and constant as this. I have been built to withstand all manner of broken and twisted things, to make homes... In aching gulfs, wider than the scream of a god hurled across a night sky, these trembling hands have torn apart tempests far darker than this. You are no more than a slipped stitch in a sprawling tapestry. You may think that you have drowned me, but I can still dance in puddles in bare feet, after all poured through the rain. I will save my bald fists and raw throat and aching eyelids for a moment worth punching, screaming, and crying for. My darling, that this is not it. But please... Continue to imagine that I am pining, that I can hardly breathe for the ghostly grasp of your hand on my heartstrings. Whatever keeps your ego warm on this particularly frosty December morning. I could no longer fill your gaping mouth with lyrics to love songs that you will never know the words to. We were surely made for better things than to be puppets of fumbled fingers, masters tangled in knotted strings. One day you will meet someone who you would walk across naked flames for. I only hope they would still kiss the souls of your "'charred feet, and not recoil, overwhelmed, and ashamed. "'But I, I cannot burn for you this way, "'not whilst there is a whole world unpeeling itself for me, "'an impossible swell of souls to be teased from their cracked shells. "'Go your way without guilt.' or pride, I will be here with no umbrella or raincoat, counting raindrops, and even as they drench my skin and seep into the dark earth, I know that from this a quiet shoot of infinite chance must grow. For the record. Vanessa Kisule. K I S U U L E. There's very little chance I'm pronouncing that correctly. <clears throat> well, this is very, very odd that I mentioned this. Uh, I did not know that this was a poem coming up, I swear it. Here we go. Very odd that I mentioned this earlier tonight. Here we go. <clears throat> What's wrong? Titanic asked me this morning when she found me lying on the ocean floor with my suitcases strewn open. Oh, I don't know, I moaned. I was just looking through National Geographic and saw some pictures of you and thought I might come have a chat. You look great, by the way, in the pictures. Me? No. Titanic smiled. If anything, I seem to have become a Picasso. And I have a beard. It was true. She looked more like a collage of a ship, strangely two-dimensional in the crater of her own making, French doors, boilers, rattling, railings every which way. And she did have a bit of a beard, rust icicles hanging in red strands from her iron engines. Sitting up in my own little crater, I sort of blushed. To be honest, I told Titanic, my honey's leaving town soon and I'm afraid it's going to wreck me. So I drove down here. Well, come on in, Titanic said, but I'm not sure I've got what you're looking for. So I climbed through a window between two and began to pace her great promenade, which should have been awesome, by the way, walking by the ghosts of all those waving handkerchiefs, except that I was feeling sorry-for-yourself state where every hallway is the hallway of your own wretched mind, every ghost your own ghost. So I didn't take a good look around. When I got to the Turkish baths, I sat atop the edge of the barnacle tub and watched weird crabs scrabble at my feet. I was hoping that you'd teach me how to sink, I said. You have spent a century underwater with fifteen hundred skeletons in your chest. I don't know, said Titanic. I'm kind of a wreck. Exactly, I said. Me too. And I'm here to apprentice myself to wreckage. I'm here to apprentice myself to you, great bearded lady, gargantuan arc, you floated hotel, with enough ballrooms in you to dance with everyone I've ever loved. My heart has an iceberg with its name on it, I told Titanic. So I need your advice. Tell me. Did you ever see the iceberg coming? I did, Titanic said. And you sailed right into it? It was love, Titanic said. And the band just kept playing? And the captain stayed at the wheel? What did it feel like to swallow seawater? Tell me, Titanic, how did it feel? It felt like a hole in my side. And then it felt like plummeting face first into the ice cold ocean. She's a straight talker, the Titanic. All right, I said. Now let's talk about rust. When my love leaves, I'm planning to weep stalactites from my chin. I'll wear my sadness in long strands. Like you, I will be bearded by it. And then I made a terrible noise. Rrrr. I've been practicing the sound of wrenching metal, I told her, for when my love leaves. But you aren't made of steel, Titanic said to me. I'm a writer, I said. I can be made of anything. Well then, be a writer, she said. Be a writer, I paused, amenities between my toes. Okay, when my love leaves, I'll start with an SOS. I will Morse code odes as the whole world goes vertical. I will write nosedives as my torso splits in two. And the next day, I will write stunned headlines. And the next day, I will write the obituaries. And the next day, I will write furious accusations. And the next day, I will write lawsuits. And the next day, I will write confessions of wrongdoing. And the next day, I will write pardons, but I won't really mean it. And the next day, I will write sonnets, but they will not fit the schema. And the next day, I will write, please, please, please come back. The next day, I will write epitaphs, navigation maps, warnings for future generations about the hubris of human love. I will write quotas and queries and quizzes. I will write nonsense. I will write nonsense. I will write nonsense all the way down, and no diving teams will find me. No robot arms will retrieve me in pieces. Never will I be assembled in plain air. No. I will remain whole, two miles down, with my suitcase strewn open, and in a hundred years I will still be writing about this feeling, though my heart be Picasso, though my heart be bearded at the bottom of the sea. The Titanic let me cry for a while, my sobs echoing off her moldy mosaics. Then she said, Girl, you're too young for a beard like this. You're never going to get some if you rust over now. I sniffled a little and scratched my name into the green slime of the tub. The trouble with you humans is that you are also concerned with staying afloat. Go ahead. Be gouged open by love. Gulp that salt water. Sink beneath the waves. You are not a boat. You can go under. And come up again with those big lungs of yours, and those hard kicking legs. And your heart, she said, that gargantuan arc, that floating hotel, call it unsinkable, though it is sinkable. Embark, embark. There are enough ballrooms in you to dance with everyone you'll ever love. That's what the Titanic told me this morning, me lying next to her on the ocean floor. There are enough ballrooms in you. On this, the hundredth anniversary of the sinking of the Titanic, we reconsider the buoyancy of the human heart, by Laura Lamb Brown Lavoie. Well, I kind of wish I'd closed on that one after what a performance piece it was, but we'll see how this one goes. This is the actual closing. This is the last one, and here we go. Thank you for all the poem requests tonight. Very, very meaningful. When she says margarita, she means daiquiri, and when she says Quixotic, she means mercurial. And when she says, I'll never speak to you again, she means, put your arms around me from behind as I stand, disconsolate at the window. He's supposed to know that. When a man loves a woman, he is in New York, and she is in Virginia. Or he is in Boston, writing, and she is in New York, reading. Or she is wearing a sweater and sunglasses in Balboa Park, and he is raking leaves in Ithaca. Or he is driving to East Hamptons, and she is standing disconsolate at the window, overlooking the bay, where a regatta of many-colored sails is going on while he is stuck in traffic on the Long Island Expressway. When a woman loves a man, it one ten in the morning. She is asleep. He is watching the ball scores and eating pretzels, drinking lemonade, and two hours late he wakes her up and staggers into bed where she remains asleep and very warm. When she says tomorrow, she means in three or four weeks. When she says, we're talking about me, me now, he stops talking. Her best friend comes over and says, did somebody die? When a woman loves a man, they have gone to swim naked in the stream on a glorious July day, with the sound of the waterfalls like a chuckle of water rushing over smooth rocks, and there is nothing alien in the universe. Ripe Apples fall about them. What else can they do but eat? When he says, "'Ours is a transitional era that's very original of you,' she replies, "'dry as the martini he is sipping. "'They fight all the time. "'It's fun. "'What do I owe you?' "'Let's start with an apology. "'Okay, I'm sorry, you dickhead!' A sign is held up saying laughter. It's a silent picture. I've been fucked without a kiss, she says, and you can quote me on that, which sounds great in an English accent. One year they broke up seven times and threatened to do it another nine When a woman loves a man, she wants him to meet her at the airport in a foreign country with a jeep. When a man loves a woman, he's there. He doesn't complain that she's two hours late and there's nothing in the refrigerator. When a woman loves a man, she wants to stay awake like she's a child crying at nightfall because she didn't want the day to end. When a man loves a woman, he watches her sleep, thinking, as midnight to the moon is sleep to the beloved. A thousand fireflies wink at him. The frogs sound like the string section of an orchestra warming up. The stars dangle down like earrings, the shape of grapes. When a woman loves a man, David. well we had some just lovely lovely oh no there's one more oh no oh i was closing out poetry twice but there's one more here here we go oh silly silly jack there's actually more than one more there's two more here we go holy shit oh i don't know how to close segments let's just talk about mad men some more I'm going to be embarrassed anyway. I might as well just talk about TV I like. So anyways, on the fourth season of Lost, they actually finally talk about the time dilation that's going on. Like, they act, there's a boat off the coast of Lost, the island, but then they send things from the boat to the island, and there's a... Like, they actually confirm that there's a time difference happening. It just doesn't have to be headcanon. Okay. <clears throat> I can't stop thinking about you. Wondering if you think of me too I can't stop thinking of your lips Oh, how soft they are between mine I can't stop imagining your hands As they caress my every hair and limb I can't stop thinking of your face How I love it And it thanks me in return I can't stop thinking of your voice As sexy as the body it possesses I can't stop feeling your touch inside me my temperature rises and emotions explode. I can't stop thinking of how much I want you how I need you no matter what you do I can't stop thinking about you I can't stop Stacy Williams okay and now the last one for sure oh and I chose it I chose it for the the last one too because it's a Killer. Here we go. Let's try and crush the crusher. Ugh. Oh, gotta get my old English on. Here we go. <clears throat> Come live with me and be my love. And we will all the pleasures prove That valleys, groves, hills, and fields, Woods, and steepy mountain new. And we will sit upon the rocks Seeing the shepherds feed their flocks By shallow rivers to whose falls Medullus birds sing madrigals. And I will make thee beds of roses And a thousand fragrant posies, A cap of flowers and a kirtle Embroidered all with leaves of myrtles. A gown made of the finest wool, Which from our pretty lambs we pull Fair-lined slippers for the cold With buckles of the purest gold. A belt of straw and ivy buds With coral clasps and amber studs. And if these pleasures may thee move, Then come and live and be my love. The shepherd swains shall dance and sing for thy delight each May morning. And if thy delights thy mind may move, then live with me and be my love. The Passionate Shepherd to His Love by Christopher Marlowe, requested once every three months. You all say you want to live with a shepherd, but I don't think any of y'all ever smelled any sheep up fucking close. I'm just going to tell you, I don't think y'all have been around that many sheep that you would be all like, I'll live with you, shepherd, in your hut, in your smelly wool fucking hut. I'll worry that bandits are going to come and kill us for our gold buckles, the most valuable thing in our hut. I love you, shepherd. Uh huh. Like, I'm just gonna say, in the Bible, there are stories about people coming back from the dead and seven headed monsters, and there's also stories about shepherds getting laid. Like, that's how unbelievable it is that a woman finds a shepherd that hot. Like, the shepherd getting laid is right next to all the crazy other shit. <laughs> For all the biblical scars out there, I know that I just turned you on by sassing the Bible. I know you're out there going like, did he just reference the story of the Seven Brothers? Yes, I did. Take that, one semester of seminary school. What do you mean you can't sleep with the faculty here? You can do it at State College. I'm out. All right. (laughs) People have to carry the two on that joke. I uh, I don't like standard gay jokes. I like gay jokes you really have to think about. Wait a minute. Hold on. Wait a minute. <laughs> that doesn't add up. <laughs> There's no women there. Hold on a minute. Wait a second. Hold on. won't carry the two. All right. I guess I'm the only one who finds that funny, and that's okay. Sometimes... I have to be the only one who finds me funny, and so I do. If I tell a joke and I think it's funny and nobody else laughs, I'm just going to keep telling it until my sense of humor is scratched. Like, there's two ways to feed me. You can either give me the reward, the do- you can either give me that little serotonin dopamine hit of you guys laughing, or I'll just keep going with it until I think I get the joke and it'll make the laugh happen next time. Okay, that was it. That's how you do it. All right, now we can move on. Now we can stop doing Charles Manson jokes 17 times in a row. We did it. We nailed it! We nailed it. How do you make Manson funny? You just make fun of the women. See, just doing that song, though, made some of you laugh. And that's how I know it's true. <laughs> don't, make, don't make fun of Manson. Just make fun of the women who would kill for him. And then if you really, like, if you get in trouble and women, like, that's not okay. Just put a little, like, I can't even get a lady to pump gas for me. And then everybody will laugh again because you've made yourself less than Manson the name of the sitcom that I pitched ABC, they did not accept my phone calls after that. <laughs> Let's get into some porn. <clears throat> the metal inserted in her did not bother her. It was not exactly pleasant, but nor was it unpleasant. What it did, though, is it reminded her permanently what happened the night before and what was about to happen tonight. You're absolutely right. Tip jar! You're absolutely correct. I should have done it after crushing all that poetry and all that humor. Thank you very much, everybody who tips. I do appreciate you. One more time. The metal inserted in her did not bother her. It was not exactly pleasant, but nor was it unpleasant. What it did, though, it was reminding her permanently what happened the night before and what was about to happen tonight. She tried to focus on the job, but every shift of her body she was receiving a reminder and her dreams would take over. Multiple times during the day, she got caught with vacant eyes, having dropped completely out of a conversation. She was having memories of the night before, his hands, his tongue exploring her body, And it's every detail, every corner, up to the most embarrassing ones. It had been an endless tease, and when she thought it would end, he just gave her a set of instructions for the night after, pushed that small metal plug in her, and then disappeared, leaving her feverish and unsatisfied. She jumped again, A colleague had been talking to her for at least five minutes. She had lapsed again. At multiple points, she nearly gave up who was he to dictate her life anyway. It's not like they'd met for a long time. It had been intense, but she had to admit that she barely knew him. So far as they had spent most of their time having sex, she was not even sure she could remember exactly what he was doing as a job. She even went multiple times to the toilet, feeling the plug with her fingers passing over the wet magma of her sex. But every time she was about to masturbate for removing the plug, something stopped her. What would happen tonight? The instructions were perfectly clear. Enter the hotel room. Remove her clothes except for her white blouse. He selected it specifically for her to wear today. And put the blindfold on. Enter the room. Put on blindly what would be on the bed. He was very specific that she should not either masturbate or remove the plug before that night. He would have known for a second. But the first? Still, something stopped her hand. At the time he said, she was in front of the room he indicated. The sign, Do Not Disturb, was hanging on the door. The hotel was on the upscale side. The corridor felt it came from a different century. There was tapestry on the wall, and a thick red carpet was absorbing all the sound. Not that it was needed, The place was nearly deserted. When she entered the room, just one other man in his fifties, wearing an expensive suit, was entering his room after probably a day of financial meetings or some sort. The entrance was a small corridor leading to the bedroom. She couldn't see what was on the bed from here. A black tie had been placed on the hangers in the entrance. She couldn't hear anybody in the room, but from here, she couldn't be sure. She started feeling hot. She dutifully followed the instructions and she entered staggering into the room, moving in small steps, feeling the mahogany furniture. Her nipples, as hard as pebbles, were rubbing against the fabric of her shirt. The room seemed huge, and at one point she had let go of the wall to try to find the bed. After a few minutes of stumbling, her foot hit softly the frame. She felt the cover. There was something heavy on the bed. You could feel the mat and the cover curving to adapt its weight. She had to step on all fours of the bed to find what it was. She finally found it. A sizable piece of metal. She lifted it. It was heavy. She manipulated it, feeling the outline. The shape was unusual. It was mainly a very thick scale slate of metal, but there were holes of some kind, some locking mechanism. She understood them. It was some kind of cuffs. Her first reflex was to put them on, but she stopped. That was the point of no return." There were no keys on the bed. She checked a second time. She stopped for the first time. She asked herself if there was someone in the room. She became silent, attentive. There was not a single sound. The room's walls were more probably soundproof. Crazy thoughts started to run in her mind. What if she was in the wrong room? What if he never came? What if the staff entered? She stayed like that, propped up on the bed, sitting up on her knees, with only her white blouse, with the massive cuffs of her la- of her laps. Then, with a blank mind, she placed one wrist in one hole, locked it, and then the other hand, and placed its in into the other hole. When she realized that the cuffs were not made for easily being able to cuff herself, she had to struggle a bit, again, on one of the bedposts to completely lock it. Then she sat upright on her knees and waited. She realized that her heart was thumping against her chest. She was so nervous. She was shivering. She didn't have to wait a long time. The doors opened and she heard footsteps. There was no doubt about it. She didn't know if it was because they made a conscious effort to make noises or because her hearing was improved in the darkness but two people came in. She became afraid. She realized she really knew nothing about him. How could she let herself be convinced so easily? She heard them taking their clothes off in the entrance of their foot-naked steps entering the bedroom. She was sweating now and breathing hard. Was he even here? She started when a hand touched her cheek. It was small, slender, a very smooth hand, and it cupped her right cheek. Then its fingers traced her outline of her chin, and lightly went down her throat, followed the curve of her small, perky breast through the cotton. It sent shivers to her spine. She was breathing hard, engulfed in too many feelings at the same time for her brain to process. Another hand joined in, pressed directly on her lower back. That hand reassured her. She could tell it was his hand, big and rough, but always gentle. It went down the crack of her ass and checked for the small metal hook clamped by the little hole. Then she felt the cuff being raised. At the same time, he told her neck, he took her neck into his hand, The cuffs went above her head, stretching her arms and forcing her to lie on her back. The weight of the cuff was pinning her on her side. Her breasts were now trying to pierce through the textile. Four hands started to slowly caress the length of her body, above and below the blouse, started unbuttoning it. She started to slowly undulate in response, two tongues joined, licking every parcel of her body. One of the tongues, the one she didn't know, reached her mouth and started to kiss her deeply. The mouth was thin and smooth, the tongue was narrow and playful, quickly coming in and out, licking the lips and then suddenly plunging in the depth of her mouth. She could also feel the smooth skin of her cheeks, absorbed with the kiss she nearly forgot the other pairs of hands. Her body twisted involuntarily when she felt a tug on the plug. A hand was pulling it out slowly, but resolutely. She tried to relax, tried to let go. It eventually popped out, and she felt a hole strangely gaping after. One finger, then two replaced the plug, coated with some kind of cooling gel. They were sliding in and out, massaging gently the stretched muscle. It felt as that that moment lasted forever. She was already not in control of her body anymore. He made her change position. Using the cuffs again, he forced her to lie on the side and then pressed his body against her breast, her belly, her pubis. She could feel the throbbing of his penis pressed against her. Behind her, the smooth hands and tongue were dancing on her back, her ass sometimes crossing over to her inner lips and stroking lightly his balls." He entered her with one long stroke. He nearly came, She nearly came instantly. He started with small, slow movements, but for her, each one was an explosion. He stopped moving, and she felt her body behind come closer. The whole body was smooth as the hands, a body made from silk, hard silk. It's a lean, hard, m- masculine chest that pressed against her back, and she felt the warmth of a second cock pressing on her little brown hole in slow but constant amounts. She let go a long, deep, hoarse breath, like all the air was taken out of her. She was shocked, and at the same time full, as she had never been. She stopped moving. They all stopped moving. There was a long moment. An eternity. The only thing she could hear is her own heavy breathing that would not calm down. Then the two men started moving again, first slow, small moves, getting synchronized. Then they started ampler strokes. At this point, she was dancing, her whole body following the tempo of the hard shafts they were rambling In her cadence, she started to moan louder and louder as they were taking speed. She started shouting. Both men's hips joined in a long, powerful jerk as she felt their cum exploding in her both holes at the same time. She was frozen in a static pose, her head pulled back, her eyes closed, her mouth slightly open. Both men slowly got up, got dressed, and left the room. One of them remembered to open cuffs. She stayed there for what felt like hours, just feeling the touch of the bed cover on her body, the slight wind of the air conditioning on the sweat of her back, the absence of the cuffs around her wrists, the warmth of the sperm slowly flowing between her legs. Trust by Untitled Seems like it should be called Betrayed, because I don't believe that woman was trusted. I don't think that trust was rewarded. Okay, quick sip of water, and we'll go right on into the next one. My eyes slowly open. It's still dark outside, but I'm wide awake now. The memory of a gasp as perfectly thick cock was thrust inside me is trickling away, leaving me buzzing. My nipples are twisted into points. I reach down and feel a slickness between my thighs. I sigh and turn over. His sleeping form is a mountain next to me. The heat coming off him protects me against the chilly night air drifting in through the open window. He usually doesn't sleep over, but I don't mind sharing the bed every once in a while. My hand is still between my legs, absent mindedly stroking my pussy. My clit aches as the last waves of my dream wash over me the imprint of the heavy, strange body on mine, the face of a man I can't quite place as he's driving his cock into me, the sound of my cries that went unvoiced have faded. I have never come from my sexy dreams, but I can always finish myself off if I'm lucky enough to be awakened by them. I take a moment, relishing the feel of the fall breeze playing across my bare breasts. It rustles my hair slightly, dragging it across my collarbone. Should I move my fingers more, or try to fall back asleep? Would it be weird to touch myself next to him? I look back at him, stroking myself with more intention now, using the other hand to tease my nipple. His chest is rising and falling steadily with every gentle breath, his perfect lips slightly parted. The moonlight illuminates his jawline, his slight scruff. I think I can pull it off. Anyway, by the way, my fingers are working, and I don't see myself stopping on his behalf. I take my favorite pose, turning over onto my stomach, right leg hiked up high, so I can use my dominant hand to grind into the mattress with my hips. I lick my fingers and start to run my highlight reel through my head, most seen starring him as late night, and begin drawing circles around my clit with my strong middle finger. His auburn head between my thighs, a hot wet tongue chasing seamlessly between firm and sharp to soft and caressing. His big knobby fingers are filling both my holes and it feels so warm. I'm tightening around him. Shudders radiate up and all the way out of my fingers and toes. He sucks me in and I moan, pushing myself into him. I grasp the sheets and arch my back, panting. He waits until I'm still and looks up at me, grinning wickedly at my flushed cheeks. The look in his dark eyes makes me laugh breathlessly and bite my lip. My breathing, damp against the pillows, gets heavier. My hips are moving in a slow, careful circle. I think he shifts against me. I hold still for a moment but then my mind flicks to the next scene. I'm watching his perfect ass in the mirror as he pumps his cock into me. It's flexing rhythmically, my legs are hooked around his, and I can see my hands clawing into his back, leaving trails of pink flesh. He's crying my name into the nape of my neck. My slick is making his cock slide deeper and deeper. I tilt myself up to him. I feel his twitch. He's so close. He drives into me hard, and I squeeze him over and over again. He turns over in his sleep. Fuck. I pause to glance up to see that his eyes are still closed. My hips are still working against my fingers, grinding desperately now. My pussy tightens and I arch my back, lifting my hip so that I can reach deep inside and drag my wetness across my swollen clit. I close my eyes again. I see him below me, his chest heaving, my fingers wrapped around his cock, pinning him to the bed. I reach back with my other hand to caress his balls, feel them contract. His face is twisted in ecstasy, and I grind him harder, commanding him to come. His eyes and mouth open with a gasp, and I feel him pump into me. I'm screaming when his heat fills me up. I feel his body shift closer to mine, his warmth is closer to my skin, his breath tickles the hair behind my ear, he groans a little, and I slow down, but I keep touching myself, too close to care if he catches me. I pulse with each fantasized thrust, gasping into the pillow. I bite my lip and screw my eyes shut, feeling my orgasm echo through my entire body. I've lost myself totally. My hips rock in circles, legs tense. I can feel his rough hand covering my lower back. He slides it down toward my ass. I pause, surprised by his touch." Don't stop on my account. He murmurs into my ear. He continues his path downward, dipping his fingers into my pussy from behind. I whine and arch even more, making him go deeper. I squeeze myself around him and hold him there and start to come again, buckling against my fingers and his. His hard cock is hot, Pressing into me, and I turn onto my side to let him into me from behind. His wet fingers trace their way up my body to caress my breasts, and the thick tip of his cock slips inside me, just barely. Oh, fuck. He moans. He puts me into—he fits into me so easily. I'm wide open and gushing I've come twice already, but I'm still begging for more. He teases me, holds me in place, pressing himself slowly and patiently inside. I love the feeling of his hard body carving into my back, his long arms and wide shoulders enveloping me, making me feel small, like he could swallow me up. He pulls my top leg up with his free hand, hooking it back around with his firm thigh. The angle of his cock reaches impossibly deep, stroking against my G-spot where each nerve is already thumbing. I'm so sensitive. My clit feels white-hot, so I relax and enjoy the sensation as he uses me. His deep voice feels the space behind me. His breath is moving, his body rhythmically, while his hand outlines my soft curves. He traces my collarbone runs his thumb up each ridge of my neck, and then his fingers lay softly underneath my jaw. I know what he wants. I push my neck against his hand. Yeah, I whisper. Please. His grip tightens, and I gasp, loving the precariousness of feeling the blood fighting its way up to my head. He's smart, nor... He's smart not squeezing too tightly yet, waiting for the right moment. His cock is still moving in a slow, steady pace, hypnotizing me. It's late enough, so dark, the night air so calm. That's all that makes us all feel unreal. He could be the stranger from my dream, his face unrecognizable to me. He could be anyone in his hands." But it is unmistakably him, the contours of his cock inside me, his voice trailing over my neck, whispering filthy things that send shocks of pleasure through my body. The darkness makes me more aware of the sounds we make together, how I can feel each breath he takes moving the air over my neck, my breasts. I reach back to grab his ass and push him deeper inside me, opening as wide as I can to let all of him go. He shudders, a gasp catching in his throat, and I feel his cock contract. He tightens his grip around my throat and shoves himself hard into me, his tip reaching my limit. I cry out when I feel his hot cum fill me up, pulsing my pussy to take it all in. He unfurls his hands from my neck, dragging tensed fingers that leave a trail of sparks down my body and stops at my ass— He flips me back on my stomach and roughly pulls my hips up. I'm not done with you yet, he growls, his lips inches from my pussy. His hands are pulling me apart, his mouth on anything he can reach, moving hungrily. I cry into the pillow and claw at the sheets. The feeling is almost too intense to handle, but I'm pressing into his face for more. He stops suddenly, pulling back. Don't move, he says, just coming up for air. I moan, moving my hips back so he can easily reach every part of me. I feel his fists, his first two fingers slip into me easily, while his other hand gently massages my clit. I'm melting into the mattress, back arched to the point of breaking. Don't move. I feel his weight disappear from the bed for a moment, some rustling, then his cock is caressing my impossibly wet pussy. He's hard again, teasing me with his swollen head pressing slowly, barely into me, over and over again. I whine and try to push him further, but he holds my hips still. Suddenly, I hear a familiar buzzing, and my vibrator replaces his cock, sending waves through my body. I jerk with surprise, and then press back into it for more. He's sliding easily over my swollen clit, my slick folds, holding my ass with, my, with his other hand so I can't move. He's having so much fun exploring me that all I can do is open up and take it, and soon... My pussy clenches again. Can I come, Daddy? I beg. Wait. His voice is a sharp arrow through the still air. He reaches down and grabs my face, turning it so that I can see the silhouette in the dark. He pushes his fingers into my mouth and makes me taste my juices. Me patient, baby. He pulls my vibe away, and I whine, and then scream as he thrusts his cock fully into me. I'm gasping into the mattress, eyes screwed shut, trying to take in the sensations. My pussy squeezes around his thick cock. God, I'm wet. And my vibe sends quick shocks into my clit and the walls of my pussy. I'm slamming my ass back into his hips, opening wide, screaming, Yes, yes, yes. A heart slap to my ass stings my skin. He holds my vibrator against me, and I bury my face in the pillow. It's so intense against my swollen, fucked pussy that my eyes start to water. Then his mouth is on me. His fingers filled both my holes and tightened around him, pushing back, greedy for more, more, more. Suddenly... I'm coming again. My pussy squeezes so deep that I can feel the shudders in my chair. I feel a trickle between my breasts and reach up to wipe away a stream of our juices from my body. I push him back onto the bed and straddle him, sliding down his chest so he can feel how fucking wet he's made me. Now it's my turn to make him come. Hard. I wrap my fingers around his cock and guide it into me, sit all the way down on him. Grind on me, baby, he says. Hush. I stick two fingers into his mouth. Suck me. He does, swirling his tongue between them, groaning as I ride him. He closes his eyes and I grind into his hips with one foot onto the floor so I can go harder and harder. He groans louder as I pull my fingers out, digging my nails into his chest. Tell me what you want. I want to come. He says, please. Fill me up, Daddy. Do it. I bounce on him faster and faster. His face twists in ecstasy as I feel him come again, the heat radiating through my body. I collapse on him, both of us panting damp with sweat. He strokes my back lightly, the nighttime breeze dancing over us. Our breathing slows to a peaceful pace. It was a good dream then. He's smiling. I roll off him and nestle into his shoulder. No, reality was better. Better than dreaming. By Bridget Bell Circe that is our second or third piece by Miss Bell Circe. She's quite good. I love it when women talk about fucking women talk about fucking in a way that's always educational for me. I mean that sincerely when women really talk about the mechanics of fucking always interesting. you always learn something. Mm. I always do. At least as a penis haver. Alright, tip jar one more time. And let's close out this show. We got one last thing of porn. And I think it looks very solid. What I learned this time... Uh, I, I learned I'm going to make a woman fuck her hand for me on a bed. That's what I learned. I can't believe we have the apartment to ourselves, Mark said as he went back to sit on the couch with his girlfriend. That never happens. Jess smiled, glancing at the widescreen TV where a rerun of some sitcom was playing. Yeah, I know, right? We're totally just going to watch TV all night. Mark set his beer down on the coffee table without even tasting it. He slid closer to Jess to whisper in her ear, totally. She laughed softly, and he was so close to her that he could feel the vibrations in her chest. She wore a snug black t-shirt that revealed her cleavage. He brought his fingers to it teasingly and slid them up underneath, all the way to her neck, and then down again. She bit her lip. She was so sensitive, and he loved it. He'd been dating Jess for only a month, but they'd had plenty of time to notice, and enjoy, how adventurous she was. She always wanted to try new things, and there were so many areas of her body that were sensitive and responsive. As his fingers crawled under her shirt, just between her breasts, they locked eyes. He admired her coal-lined green eyes for just a second, before they started to make out. Her arms flew up to wrap themselves around his neck. Her lips were soft and warm and welcoming. Her tongue teased his. Mark had one hand in her red hair, the other still exploring under her shirt. you're going to stretch my shirt if you keep doing that. She said teasingly, between heated kisses. Mm -hmm. I'll buy you a new shirt. I happen to like this shirt, she taunted. He nibbled at her lip before he smiled and pulled away so that he could help her out of her shirt. He draped it over the back of the couch and brought his attention back to Jess. He kissed her full lips again, their eyes squeezing shut as they lost focus of, everything but each other. This time, he explored around the under of her back black lace bra. Whenever his fingers ran over her nipples, he could feel her shiver in his arms, could hear her breath hitch ever so slightly. Her breasts were gorgeous and perky, and her nipples got hard easily whenever he played with them. Unable to wait any longer, Mark took off her bra and threw it away. Just smiled as she reached down to grab the hem of his shirt. But he shook his head playfully, gently pushing her hands away. She raised an eyebrow, intrigued. What are you doing? she asked. You'll see. He guided her so that she was lying down on the couch under him. He ran his hands from her thin waist, "'to the mounds of flesh that were her breasts, "'and squeezed them while he leaned close to kiss her jaw, and then her neck. "'She ran her hands over his back "'as he licked and grazed the skin of her neck with his teeth, "'leaving little marks that wouldn't stay there long. "'But the sight of them on her pale, sensitive skin "'still turned him on. "'He did the same with her collarbone, brushing at her skin with his lips to tease her before kissing and sucking gently. Her breathing was already getting a little louder and faster as she had her legs folded up around his hips, pressing him down against her. Mark left a trail of kisses from her neck to one of her boobs, squeezing it in his hand as he kissed all around playfully. Hmm. She moaned as he lingered on the side where he could feel her ribs. She was a little bit ticklish there. and He knew it. She threw one arm over her head as she arched her back slightly. She wanted more, but she wasn't going to give it just yet. Instead, he licked the skin under her breasts just at the line where they started while squeezing them both in his hands and playing with them, pushing them together. Then he let go, letting them fall, and he kissed the skin between them. He pulled back. He admired how hard and flushed her nipples were. Has anyone ever told you that you've got great nipples? He asked her, Do you think they're weird? She asked as she stroked his hair. Are you kidding? No. I love them. They're beautiful. He took one between his thumb and index finger and pinched it gently as he kissed the skin around it, working his way to the nipples excruciatingly slowly. He sucked at her skin, leaving a couple of hickeys. She let out a cute moan and he felt so turned on, but he wanted to be patient with her. He knew how sensitive she was and he wanted to see as if he could make her come just from nipple play. Just loved how her boyfriend was always trying new things with her. She hadn't been expecting this, but now she found herself enjoying it. She didn't want him to stop. Her breathing got more intense, and her eyes lit it up as she tangled her pale fingers into Mark's dark, tousled hair. She loved it, but at the same time, it was torture. His tongue expertly licked and teased her skin, making circles before pulling back and letting his lips do the work. And his hot breath against her just-kissed skin made her go crazy. Slowly, so slowly, he got closer to her nipple, which he had still held between his fingers, occasionally squeezing, sometimes just a little too hard, before releasing it right away so she barely had time to register the pain. Ever seen a penis in a tuxedo? That was just a random ad in the middle of this story. I'm so sorry. Somebody put an ad in the middle of this story. I'm assuming whatever they they copied and pasted it from has the, have you ever seen a tuxedo, and then the link, the hyperlink. (laughs) So apologies. Without that... Here's what this sounds like one more time. Slowly, so slowly, he got closer to her nipple, which he still held between his fingers, occasionally squeezing, sometimes just a little too hard, before releasing it right away, so she barely had time to register the pain. She tied her legs around his hips. She felt herself becoming wet, as she craved his cock really badly. But at the same time, a part of her wanted to see where he was going with this. Ah bite my nipple, she said before she could stop herself. She blushed at the words she hadn't even thought before she spoke them out loud. It just come out. He smirked at her, but then he switched onto her other breast without even giving her what she wanted. Jerk, she teased. All in good time, princess. He said huskily, and then went to work with his tongue twirling it against her sensitive, pale skin. He blew across her skin and her nipple, teasingly. She wanted his tongue to lick her nipples so bad, she'd never even thought she could crave something like this so badly, right up until now. Mark continued to kiss all around her breast for a little while as he ran his warm hands over her body, and her nipples were so hard and neglected that she started to feel a little frustrated. She arched her back so that their bodies were pressed close together. She wanted to feel the friction of his chest against her nipples, but he didn't let her and when she reached under his pants with a desperate hand, he grabbed both her arms and pinned her wrists above her head. He smiled at her. Impatient, much? Mark, come on. Please. He smirked, then finally indulged her, giving her one slow, long lick across her breast before kissing her nipple. She shivered in pleasure, feeling a a tingle deep in her loins. Her thighs clenched against Mark's hip as he gave her nipples his full attention, flicking it over and over with his tongue. With his other hand he squeezed the other nipple, flicking it with his finger. She felt all warm and tingly between her legs and all throughout her body. He was so good with his tongue. She'd never experienced something like that before. She exclaimed when his teeth grazed her nipple. She hadn't been expecting it, definitely took her by surprise, but she liked it. He bit it gently, then increasingly hard, but switched to the other nipple before the first one could be too hurt. He knew how to read her body language and the moan she let out to push her limits, but not too much. You're Amazing, she told him. She was so surprised nipple play could feel so great. Mark's hips crashed into hers, and they were sort of dry-humping while he licked her nipples widely. It turned her on even more to know that this was making him horny as well. Do it again, she suddenly exclaimed as he flicked her nipple particularly intensely with his tongue. He indulged her, and she closed her eyes, arching her back, head tilted back into the couch, lost in her own little bubble of pleasure. And when he used his teeth against the mix of pleasure and pain, it was so amazing that the warmth and tingle she felt between her legs overwhelmed her. Her hips stuck out, rubbing against Mark's crotch. Using his hands to squeeze her breasts as close together as possible, he licked both nipples with one long flick of his tongue, then he focused on just one again, biting it harder and harder. She was about to scream out and tell him to stop, afraid that it would hurt too much. But just before he screamed out, he replaced his teeth and lips, and then his tongue, and he did that twirling thing again that made her go wild. She felt her pussy getting even more wet, and delicious warmth rushing through her body. She moaned loudly over and over again, and Mark never stopped pleasuring both her nipples. One with his fingers, and the other one with his tongue and teeth. It was too much. She felt delicious pleasure overwhelm her senses. Holy shit, she said. Oh my god. She had no idea what was happening. She never even thought it was possible to come from this. But she was definitely coming. She was so close. It was insane. Don't. Don't stop. She begged, and Mark didn't. Just in the heat of her body exploded, and pleasure consumed her in delicious waves, raking her entire body with spasms. Mark bit her nipples so hard that she screamed out but it was a scream of both pain and pleasure, and it only made her orgasm more intense and perfect. Oh, my God. She moaned one last time as her boyfriend finally released her extremely sensitive, flushed nipple from his teeth. He held her as she enjoyed the last lingering tingles and spasms from her orgasm, and she smiled and laughed incredulously. She held him tight, feeling all satisfied and enjoying the feel of his strong chest pressed against her breast after all that teasing. It was good to be close to him. She didn't even know what to say. That was amazing, she said at length. He returned a smile and then kissed her lips, slow and deep. I knew you would like it. He said, Entirely confident. So modest, aren't you? She joked. Always. Also Untitled with no author. So, that was our final piece of the night. Thank you to everybody who came out. Thank you to everybody who listened. Guys, Fridays, 10 Eastern, on the server. Why won't you come to a live show? If you've listened to the whole recording, you should definitely come to a live show. You should come with a request. You should come with your cheering section on. You should come to tip me and all the rest. I had an amazing time. I hope you had an amazing time, too. Guys, thank you so much. Everybody who comes out to the live show, everybody who listens, everybody who recommends the podcast, oh, I cannot thank you enough for what keep the project on a uh, going. Listen to me. I just keep getting stronger and faster and better. I'm like a spider that's evolving in real time. Soon I will type with all eight of my hairy legs at once. So thank you all very, 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 very much. I appreciate you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week ahead of you.